0: AMSA partner Becker Professional Education provides exclusive pricing to AMSA members for USMLE review preparation. Save up to 25% off their live online and live review programs along with their guided learning resources and extensive question bank. Visit Becker.com AMSA for more details. How can you establish and manage your online presence as a future physician? And better yet, why is that important to your practice? Welcome to the AMSA AdLib Podcast, where we'll hear from med students and experts alike. I'm your host, Christine Camisio. This week, we caught up over Skype with Dr. Kevin Poe, founder and editor of the popular website known as social media's leading physician voice, kevinmd.com. Dr. Poe has created a social media presence that has really become more of a mainstream media voice. His website, kevinmd.com, receives over three million monthly page views, and he has over 250,000 followers on Facebook and Twitter. He's co-authored a book about establishing and managing your online reputation for physicians and medical practices, shares his story nationwide as a social media physician speaker, was regularly cited in major media, and on top of that, Dr. Poe still manages to practice medicine. He's a practicing board-certified internal medicine physician in New Hampshire. Dr. Poe, something we're really interested in is how your medical career and your practice intertwine with your social media background.
1: Sure. So it's uh, certainly not easy. Uh, it, it literally is two full-time jobs, um, building my clinical practice as well as building up uh, Kevin MD. Throughout the years, uh, I've kept it siloed because when I first started Kevin MD, this was back in 2004, and social media and healthcare wasn't uh, accepted in what I call you know mainstream medicine. So I wasn't sure how my hospital and practice would accept it. Uh, but, of course, over the years, social media has been intertwined in everything in our lives, and that, of course, includes healthcare. So people are finding me now online um, whenever they see me in the exam room. They, a lot of them have read my blog. Uh, they know that I have a pretty big online presence. So by connecting with patients, even before they even see me in the clinic, I would say that's the biggest uh, way that my social media presence and my real-life presence have, have intertwined over the years.
0: That's really interesting that when you started it, did you say 2004 was that correct?
1: That is correct, yes.
0: Um, that it wasn't it wasn't a big practice then. What inspired you to start this blog?
1: So when I first started I didn't really have a plan. Um, I certainly couldn't have imagined that my blog and social media presence have, have blossomed to to where it is today. So I think I was talking to one of my family members and he noticed that I have a lot of opinions and thoughts about medicine and healthcare And he said, you know, you should start a blog. And um, of course, at that time, back in 2004, blogs were just coming um, up to the cusp of uh, mainstream popularity. And I realized that. Blogs also were a great way for physicians and other healthcare professionals to really share their thoughts and correct a record when it comes to false health information. And my aha moment really came, uh, I think, in the exam room. I remember writing a blog about a drug that was that was withdrawn, and I wrote a post about that. And the next day, I walked into the exam room, and that patient said, "You know, Doctor Poe, I, I read your blog post this morning, <laughs> and I realized that you know we can't um, we can use these tools to." educate patients outside of the exam room so our power in educating isn't necessarily confined to one-on-one in the exam room with blogs and other forms of social media of course we can now educate many patients at once and it's something I definitely implore a lot of medical students and and physicians to to uh, behold the power of social media and really use them as tools to uh, connect with and educate patients.
0: It sounds like a lot of your patients will then kind of come in and reference this content that you're putting out. So, do you feel that your your fame on social media has had a direct bearing on your medical practice itself?
1: I think so. Um, I think uh, in turn, I think it has a bigger impact uh, outside my medical practice. Um, of course, there are a lot of patients who read my blog. I don't necessarily see in my practice, but when it comes to uh, patients, if they're looking for a doctor online and and uh, I have a pretty big presence. Uh, If they Google my name, uh, as long as the city I live in, I live in Nashville, New Hampshire, my blog comes up and my various platforms come up. So they're free to go on these platforms. They could find out more about me. I have some videos where I talk about my practice style and what patients can expect if they choose me as, as a doctor. So I think a secondary benefit for having a big online presence is that when patients Google me, as patients invariably do, I already can control that information that comes up uh, rather than having, say, a physician rating site or or third-party site define me online. I can define myself online with my social media presence.
0: I'm sure that the the landscape of the um, the blog itself has evolved over time. How have you kind of molded to that change to define yourself over time?
1: So my blog certainly has evolved uh, for the first five to seven years. A lot of the content is, are, were pieces that I wrote, my thoughts. Now that I've expanded a platform to include other healthcare voices, I have several thousand physicians, medical students, residents, and patients, and nurses. They also contribute to my site, and they benefit from having that platform where they can get their voices heard. And I think that's tremendously important today. Uh, we obviously live in a very polarized um, healthcare. Uh, healthcare. We're in the middle of a, a polarized healthcare debate, and I think it's important to get the voices of those of us in healthcare out there and talk about some of the hidden stories and hidden challenges of uh, what goes on behind closed doors. Um, from all the entities in healthcare, uh, because a lot of these stories aren't necessarily published in mainstream media. So I think um, that alone is was one of the biggest evolutions of my site.
0: So you mentioned there the the like polarizing topics, when you when you're diving into some of those more controversial topics, how have you handled or have you seen pushback from the public or physicians? What do you um, how do you handle that?
1: So, absolutely, there's a pushback um, when it comes to pretty much every healthcare topic. Um, in healthcare, there is a lot of gray area. Um, there are, are very few decisions that are right and wrong. There are definitely shades of gray, and there are different interpretations, different worldviews, different political affiliations that can interpret healthcare issues through their Particular lens. So, what I try to do is, uh, I, I really believe that when it comes to solving healthcare issues, that we need to take ideas from across um, the political spectrum, from across different worldviews, and I try to include pieces that incorporate different worldviews when it comes to solving healthcare problems. So. Although my site is mainly geared towards physicians, um, I also realize that sometimes the voice of the patient is tremendously, if not more, important than the voice of the physician, because our healthcare system, of course, is about the patient. So I think that it's important to have patients' voices represented as well. I think it's important to have both progressive and conservative voices represented uh, when it comes to solving our healthcare problems, because I believe that, There are legitimate ideas from across the political spectrum. So, I try not to limit my audience to one particular worldview. Uh, Whenever I post, uh, for instance, a political piece that caters to one side, I always include one that caters uh, to to, that, speaks to the other side as well. And that really generates a lot of debate. So, I I do try to include viewpoints from across the, um, the various entities that are all involved with our healthcare system.
0: How do you see the impact of KevinMD.com then on the kind of medical landscape or their healthcare realm at large?
1: I think the biggest impact now is, is KevinMD is, is a platform where patients, other medical students, physicians, they could really hear stories that they either identify with or that they may not know about or hear about. Uh, one of the biggest topics that I try to shine a spotlight on is physician and medical student burnout, uh, mental health in medical students, residents, and physicians. Uh, I think a lot of these topics get covered up uh, in mainstream media, um, as well as in medical education as a whole. So it's important to shine a spotlight on these issues. And one of the best way to to uh, to, to, to 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 fix these problems is to expose them is is for these medical students and physicians to tell their stories, to share that, hey, when I'm going through medical training, you know, I was battling anxiety. I was battling depression. I was feeling suicidal. And by shining a spotlight on these issues, I think I get a lot of feedback saying, hey, you know, identify with that. I I hear you. And I'm glad that these stories are being told. And uh, there are very few outlets uh, on the web that where people have the freedom, um, you know, either anonymously, pseudo anonymously, or under the real name, uh, where medical students and physicians have the freedom to share these stories. And I've uh, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback by doing that.
0: How do you use that positive feedback in practice? Do you use it to kind of shape the topics that you cover or when you're seeing patients? You know, what do you do with some of that feedback?
1: So when I hear, um, I get a lot of feedback from patients saying that they're not aware of what goes on behind closed doors they're, they're not sure what their doctors are thinking and um, some of the positive feedback I get is that um, I think there's a lot of empathy for from patients saying you know I didn't know the doctors have to deal with all this paperwork I didn't know doctors have to deal with with you know clumsy and archaic electronic medical records And I didn't know that doctors have to deal with all these impediments to caring for us and I think that what I try to do is bring doctors and patients closer together. I think doctors can listen to patients and hear what the healthcare system is from their perspective and patients can understand some of the challenges doctors face in trying to care to them and hopefully by finding that common ground uh, both doctors and patients together can can help our, our healthcare system. So I think right now that that, uh, that is one of the, 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 the feedback that resonates most with me. It's from those patients who who, uh, who read my site and um, feel closer to the physicians that are caring for them.
0: You touched on the different types of viewpoints that you try to represent on KevinMD.com. What is your level of editorial control there? Uh, have you ever had any particularly tough topics, like, for example, sharing opinions that you may not hold yourself?
1: So, yes, I think um, uh, in terms of editorial control, I have 100% editorial control, so I choose all the articles that go online. Um, And that includes articles that I don't personally agree with as well. Um, I certainly have a viewpoint when it comes to how our healthcare system should evolve and some of the questions when it comes to healthcare reform. But I think it's important to represent um, all sides. So... Yes, I have editorial control, but also, yes, I also post pieces I don't personally agree with because I think it's important not to be in a bubble and not to um, be afraid and expose uh, my readers to uh, viewpoints other than my own.
0: One thing that's interesting is we've been talking about it like it's a blog, but really uh, KevinMD.com is much more than that. Was it challenging personally to deal with the conversion from it being more of an opportunity to express your own opinions Uh, into something that is sort of more of community contributors. Was it difficult to let go of that at all?
1: Um, I don't think so. Um, I think it was a natural evolution. Um, I think if you look at uh, a lot of the online news platforms. Uh, very rare is it a single author. Um, I think that the evolution of Kevin MD is uh, kind of parallels the evolution of, of many online news and opinion sites. Uh, you look at sites like the Huffington Post, for instance. Um, you have thousands, if not tens of thousands, contributors there. Um, you look at places like Vox.com. You know other online news sites or Slate. You know you have groups of authors that contribute to sites. So now. Um, rather than having a blog, you have a single person writing it. It's it's all about online communities, online platforms. So I think um, it's been a natural evolution. Um, I, I look at what other industries are doing with online sites, and I just uh, uh, take some of their ideas and and parallel my journey to match some of the other you know what's working in other industries. And for me, it's been a, it's been a natural evolution because uh, other voices, uh, of course, deserve to be heard as well.
0: In terms of integrating patient perspective, how do you access that? Uh, It's kind of unusual, because a lot of times it seems doctors or physicians want to keep the patient aspect a little bit separate. How did you access that perspective and overcome maybe the physician reticence to be in the same community?
1: So it wasn't difficult. Again, I think it it goes with the natural evolution and my philosophy of practicing as well. I think um, patients, should drive their own health care. Um, we always talk about the cliché patient-centered medical care, uh, but I do uh, uh, believe that patients should drive their own health care. Patients have a voice. Patients' voice is really the most important ones when it comes to healthcare. But really, our healthcare care system is all about them. So I think it's important to share those voices because I think there's an increasing chasm uh, between doctors and patients. And one of the goals I have is to really close that chasm. And how do we do that? I think one way to do that is to um, share each other's voices. Share each other's perspectives. Share each other's worldviews. So, not only should physicians listen to patients and 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 uh, hear about what the healthcare system is from their perspective, I think patients should also listen to phys- doctors as well, because um, there are a lot of challenges that we face that patients don't necessarily know that uh, could be uh, affecting them as well. So. That's my attempt in, in bringing those two sides closer together. Um, I don't think they should be walled off. Um, there are a lot of sites where physician, you know, there are a lot of online physician sites that are um, that exclude patients, and um, I'm I i do not think that's the right approach to uh, to go with.
0: Would you say there is a value to med students' contributions to social media, even as say schools try to discourage it?
1: Absolutely, uh, medical students are the ones where social media is second nature to them. They've grown up in the age of Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube. And the key, whenever I talk to medical students, is translating those social media skills into a more professional toolkit. How do you use what you know about social media today um, into um, tools that you use to help patients or help advocate or help talk about healthcare care reform when you're a resident, when you're a physician? So I think it's tremendously important that medical students start to professionalize their social media presence and start thinking about ways where they can use social media to, to not only help patients but also help healthcare as a whole by speaking out on issues that are important to physicians um, as, they, as they go through their healthcare journey.
0: Can you elaborate more exactly what you mean by creating a professional presence? Like, What are some tips for students? How can they do that?
1: So of course, um, uh, the the best piece of advice I can give is that whatever students post on social media, they have to consider whatever they post public. Imagine whatever they post to be posted on a billboard on a a side of a highway, Mm -hmm. because um, whatever they post online can always be found. Even after you delete it, you know, there are things like internet archives where you could find that information. So I think the last thing that students want is for Uh, unsavory information about them to be dug up later on because residency committees and hospital credentialing committees, they Google all their applicants, so it's important that they have a clean internet trail. So, uh, Assuming that they do that, um, when I talk about professionalizing their social media presence, I always say have some type of platform where they can control because uh, not only um, as I mentioned, residency committees and hospitals are they going to Google their applicants, but also patients as well? So you want to be in control of what comes up when all these entities Google you. So at the very least, I think they should have a profile on LinkedIn. Um, I think LinkedIn is a pretty safe platform. Um, there's a site called Doximity that I like. Um, and again, profiles on these sites are really just digital translations of your CV, and they come up relatively high on Google searches. And and then in terms of expanding their online footprint it really depends on how they want to use social media do students want to use social media eventually just to connect with and educate patients do they want to use social media to connect with colleagues or do they want social media to um, advocate for a cause or debate healthcare reform and based on what their goals are then they can choose appropriate social media platforms that fit those goals So if they want to connect with patients, I think having a Facebook page that's open to the public, I think that's a great way to connect with patients. Um, If they want to connect with colleagues, I think Twitter presence is helpful because there are a lot of um, physicians on Twitter that are fantastic to connect with. And if they want to advocate for a cause, they can, they can start a blog where they can write long form articles. If they're more comfortable on video, they can create a, a YouTube channel. So I think depends on what their goals are that's going to help shape what their presence should be. So my advice would be start with LinkedIn Doximity and then after that, um, depending on what their goals are, they can branch out to the, to the other platforms.
0: We've obviously seen, and you mentioned that a lot of med students now have grown up in this age of social media, uh, versus when you started your blog in 2004, it maybe wasn't as common. So we're we're seeing this change along the way in social media. What do you think is the future of social media in regards to medicine?
1: I think social media is going to continue um, to grow, and I think we're going to have different different uh, platforms that are con- that are continuing to evolve. I think the bottom line is that physicians need to be more comfortable in the public setting so it doesn't really matter whether it's Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Snapchat I think those these platforms are going to be going to be invo- going to evolve but in general physicians um, are going to be have to be comfortable um, being online, being in the public, talking to patients as a whole because if we don't do that then there are going to be other entities who take that, Um, online mantle. You're going to have pseudoscience practitioners. You're going to have have people who spread false health information online. So I think that as physicians, we do have somewhat of a moral responsibility to also be online. And it doesn't really matter which platform that we engage in. We need to be online so we can deliver that message. So I think that um, as we move forward, I'm seeing more and more physicians be comfortable online, Whenever I talk to physicians and medical students, I in my you know in speeches during my coaching sessions, I I try to implore them. You know, you need to be online because if you're not, other people are going to take that space, and you you may not like what you're gonna what they're going to say. So, um, in the future, uh, my hope is that more of us will be more comfortable um, being online and using one of these tools to connect with the public.
0: So we talked about how the landscape, the social media landscape, changed. But also, it seems like the generations that are coming up themselves have changed too. Can you can you talk a little bit about students today, um, how how they're maybe not coming into the social media landscape with a blank slate, because they've already kind of built a presence on social media or you know made a footprint out there. Is there a way that they can sort of work backward to either overcome or erase some of that, um, or do they need to worry about that?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, uh, the answer is, is yes. I think how, the question is how do you translate what they what student, medical students know about social media into a more professional setting, and um, that's really the question that I get a lot from students specifically. Because whenever they go into medical school or go into residency, I think a lot of the social media advice from from those is those institutions are really conservative. Um, it's they really portray social media from a negative. Viewpoint, you know, it's like don't do this, don't do that. Um, if you post these pictures, these doctors got fired. Don't do this. So it, whatever they hear about social media it's really tremendously negative, and and I think that you know, of course, it's important. You know, things like patient privacy and and what you do or say online is important, but. I think there are a lot of positive aspects of social media that gets left out of medical training. Um, the power of social media to connect with patients and how we can use social media to connect with mainstream media so we can speak from a larger platform, how we can use social media to connect with and learn from our colleagues. So these are all stories and, and um, experiences that I have and I've seen other doctors have in social media that really needs to be... Um, uh, discussed and and, and and medical students need to be exposed to these positive aspects of social media. So I think that um, this all goes as part of professionalizing their social media presence. Not only should they um, look back and take out things that may be harmful to them in the future but they also need to look forward and say how can I use what I know about social media um, in a more positive light and how can I use what I know about social media to, to help patients and help my career.
0: So as, as students are moving Towards the future as well. Do you have any sort of general words of wisdom, maybe outside of their social media realm, just for in their training and as they're moving into this next stage um, in their career? Any general words of wisdom for medical trainees?
1: Yeah, so I think that is tremendously important to make your voices heard. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, just via social media, because uh, as we know, our healthcare system is uh, changing as we speak and um, it's important that the future generation of clinicians really speak out because a lot of our issues a lot of things that are important to physicians um, aren't necessarily represented by the healthcare decision makers and by the politicians so it's important that uh, we be comfortable with our voice and we use that voice to speak out and advocate for patients and advocate for physicians and um, we need to use whatever tools are available to us, whether it's social media or mainstream media.
0: AMSA Adlib is brought to you by the American Medical Student Association. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. This episode was produced by Pete Thompson, Don Nguyen, and myself. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer, and Dr. Joey Johnson is AMSA's national president. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for listening. This episode of AMSA AdLib is brought to you by the generous support of Becker Professional Education.